So let me describe the scene. It's nearly midnight. In fact, it's just gone past midnight. And I'm recording this in our living room at home, which is unusual. I haven't done one of these for a while. Uh, usually I find a time on a Monday to record our podcasts. However, today I happen to be shooting a wedding. And so I had little to no time uh, in the studio. Instead, I recorded one of the Mastering Portrait Photography critiques uh, as we've had a little bit of a backlog on those. And right now it's about minus four degrees Celsius outside, which is... Well, it's a little chilly, particularly if you live in an old house, a 700-year-old house like this one. But the fire is on, and when I when I wrote these notes out, my mutt of a dog was sat next to me uh, on the sofa. But he's just slunk out of the room. He's just slunk out of the room, leaving the door wide open, of course, which means that this bloody awful draft has just come gushing in. Uh, so I've just stuck him in his bed and shut the door. Uh, but he was he was sitting on the sofa trying really hard not to be noticed. Every time I glanced at him, he would look away because he's not allowed on the sofa. And he seemed to have got this logic that if he looked away when I looked at him, I couldn't see him. It's quite weird having a dog who acts like a four-year-old child, a four-year-old naughty child. Anyway, he's now in his bed. It's just me. Uh, the fire is on and... Tomorrow, tomorrow I head into London uh, for the Society's uh, Convention. I'd love to see you there. Um, so I'm sitting on the sofa recording this. Now, one of the things I've decided to do this year, or try to do anyway, is to record a podcast each day of the convention. So that should be probably five podcasts in very quick succession, maybe six if I'm uh, still on my feet by Sunday afternoon, which is after the end of the conference, but that's the day myself and Sarah, my wife, uh, will travel home. And just to remind everyone, uh, so we start judging tomorrow, a couple of days of judging, and then we go into the seminars and workshops. And on Friday, this coming Friday, 4pm to 6pm, uh, myself and Sarah, my wife, uh, I always have to say Sarah, my wife, uh, because of course, um, I co-authored co the book Mastering Portrait Photography with Sarah Plater, who I'm not married to, uh, and I run the business with Sarah Wilkinson, who I am married to. Uh, Friday, 4pm till 6pm, Taming the Studio. Myself and Sarah will be there. Uh, it's all about just how easy it is to get great results out of the studio with very simple kits. We're not taking a huge amount of equipment in. Um, I'm borrowing some lights. So it'll be the first time I've used the lights uh, that they're going to give me just to show how to get your head around it, how to use the kit, how to get great results out of almost nothing. That's Friday. Uh, all you have to do is turn up Friday at 4 p.m. Uh, I don't know what room I'm in. Uh, they haven't told us yet, but hopefully by the time we get towards the end of the week, uh, I'll have uh, had the programme. We'll be able to tell you exactly which room it's in. If you're going to be at the conference or the convention, please do make it on Saturday, 2pm till 6pm. There are still a few places. It's always a shame uh, when you don't sell all of the places, but we still have a few places left on our superclass, which is called uh, Chasing Shadows. And the idea being that we're going to go look for some nice shadowy areas, contrasty light, uh, and make the best of it. Now, people are a bit worried. We've done this a few years where we've been out and about and it's cold. This year, because we're at a much later slot, we're from two o'clock till six o'clock, um, there's no 
way we're going to be outside for all of that. We're one of the last super classes of the week um, and we know it'll be pitch black. There's no point being outside, at least not much. So an awful lot of it will be in and around the hotel and the convention centre just looking for interesting ways of creating images out of the light that you have, maybe a little bit of augmented light, um, posing, working with uh, models, how to get the best out of them, all that kind of stuff. Chasing shadows, you have to register for that one, but you can head over to the um, SWPP convention. If you just search for the Society's Convention London 2020, just Google it and go to the register site, then you can register uh, for that one. Um, right, so on to this week. Well, this week has been, well, eventful. Uh, amongst other things, one of the trees at the back of our house was blown down in storm. The storm was called Brendan. Now, I don't know who named storms. Actually, it must be the meteorological something who named the storms. And you have to wonder why someone thought Brendan was a good name for a storm that was flattening trees. Uh, maybe Hannibal or Blofeld uh, would be better names for such a storm. Anyway, the tree came down, smashed our patio table, ripped a handful of tiles off the roof. Uh, luckily, not the actual roof itself, just some of the tiles off it, and left me a couple of days' work chopping, sawing, stacking and swearing. Uh, a big thanks, by the way, to Ben from Halo FX who came over uh, yesterday with a chainsaw to help slice the trunk of this thing because I couldn't even lift it. I couldn't move it, so we had to get at it with a chainsaw. Uh, I'd spent a couple of days doing all of the branches. Uh, I've got a power saw and all the rest of it, uh, but we needed a chainsaw to get through the main trunk. Absolute nightmare. Uh, that said, depending on your view, I guess, either we were really unlucky or we were really quite lucky to get off as light as lightly as we did because no one was hurt and the damage is all repairable uh, even if it's an annoying and unexpected expense and it also means our neighbors can now look straight into our garden because where there was a huge great tree there is now just well a gap <laughs> which is it hasn't been great from that point of view it's been seriously wet uh, but that aside it's been a pretty good week we've had just a, a few shoots this week we're still just keeping the the workload down while I sort out lots of bits in the studio and catch up on myself. And obviously we've been preparing uh, for the workshops this week. So that on that note, uh, thank you to Tyler. Michelle, who works in our team, her daughter came into the studio uh, this week just for an hour, just to help me make sure I've gone through all of the steps for our workshop on Friday. I just wanted to make sure that I've got a clean path through some different and very effective lighting setups that can be learned very quickly uh, and applied in your own, pretty much in your own living room if you have a light and a background. Uh, so thanks to Tyler for coming over. It was good fun. Uh, we've had a few shoots though. Uh, hearing dogs, good fun, normal stuff. Uh, every week or every other week we're down there. Uh, really, really nice to see um, the guys down there in this new year. Uh, Fit Life. Now those of you who know me or have listened to the podcast regularly will remember that I interviewed Steve from Fit Life. Uh, great guy, an ex-professional footballer and we love the Fit Life gym and so I was over there photographing some of their new trainers and doing some stuff for their uh, website and PR and bits and pieces. Uh, and <laughs> I feel a bit guilty because I was there photographing, uh, but i be honest, I didn't get on any of the gym kit. I just took the pictures. Uh, so uh, I am taking my gym kit into the hotel this week in the effort or the optimistic view that I might just get down there. But you know how things roll. Uh, it'll be late nights and early mornings, but we'll see how we go. Uh, I photographed also an amazing couple. Uh, they're in their 70s and they came into the studio having one of actually Now, one of the things we've always done at the studio is support 
the local schools and local nurseries. And this was one of those where we had been asked to provide a voucher for the raffle and this couple won it. Uh, and we photographed them and they came in full Regency outfits. Genius. Uh, so the Regency period, you're looking at sort of late 1700s, early 1800s. It's kind of Dickensian, just a little bit before uh, Dickens was uh, in his in his heyday. Uh, but just wonderful. And uh, we can really, it's great when that happens because you can really play uh, with stuff like that without really having to try so hard. I mean, there's so much vintage stuff around at the moment, the fine art studios, the fine art photographers and all that kind of thing. But it's not something I normally do. But this couple had asked specifically to come in in their outfits and have this shoot. And it was just wonderful. I do not know whether they'll give us permission to use those pictures, but if they do, uh, I promise we will show a few of them. And then today, today was a wedding. It was a wonderful, wonderful wedding. It's at Le Manoir, which is one of my favourite venues. And the guys had pulled out all of the stops. Now, this wedding was just two people. So it's just the bride and the groom. Um, lovely couple, absolutely lovely couple. They're from up from Cheshire and they'd come down uh, yesterday, I think, and had spent the night and then today was their wedding. And they had told me in the briefing that it was more like an elopement. They were eloping, officially, but they were eloping. And what a wonderful thing. It was freezing cold, but a clear blue day, almost no wind. And Le Manoir had done a stunning, stunning job of um, decorating the, uh, they've got this uh, sort of glass house. It's a uh, full. It, it's it's a, a propagating greenhouse, but a really really posh one. Uh, beautiful glass, warm as toast. Some unusual plants in there, and they had filled it, literally filled it, with these candles everywhere. And that was uh, going to be the wedding. So I turned up early um, in a situation like this where we have a wedding after dusk. So the wedding started at five and sundown is about four, four fifteen ish uh, at the moment. So I knew we wouldn't get any photos after the ceremony, at least no natural daylight ones. So because it was just the two of them, I'd said, well, why don't we do the photography beforehand? And so we did. I'd spend a couple of hours with them beforehand or an hour beforehand, took some pictures around the memoir. We chatted, we laughed. Then into the ceremony. Then I followed them into dinner. Took a shot of the the couple with all of the chefs on the main pass, which I love to do. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the pass is where in the kitchen they plate up all of the food before it goes out to service. So I did that shot um, and headed away. And I got chatting to uh, the events coordinator down there, who's just brilliant. The events team at the Manoir are the best in the business, and we were talking about the couple being really lovely, but she observed that um, I'd managed to really draw them out because when they'd arrived, they were really quite nervous and had seemed not certain and not certainly not confident. And by the time she came down towards the wedding, because the, the, the two witnesses the couple were going to use were in fact the events coordinator and then one of uh, the management team, one of the, uh, in-house manager team uh, at the Manoir. So they, the only people, it was just the two people, then the witnesses were from Lamar and myself. And she said that it appeared to her that I always manage to find a way of relating to whoever it is I'm working with, whether it was when I photographed the general manager, Evelyn, from the Manoir, when I photographed the chefs, when I photographed the business team, when I photographed Raymond Blanc, uh, and when I photograph the wedding couples, I always manage to find something to have 
in common. And that's the point of this particular podcast. It's a very useful skill to be able to find common ground, common language, things to talk about, things to relate to your client about. Because at the end of the day, part of what you're trying to do is to get them to relax and look at you as the photographer in a way that when other people look at those pictures, they'll find them appealing. Now, I've said this a lot. You all know this. Um, It's something I hold quite dear to my heart. You have to find a way of connecting with your client. And I'm pretty lucky. What I said to the event coordinator today was I'm pretty lucky. You know, when I was a kid, I was a drummer. I was a professional drummer, in fact, a professional percussionist. I trained as an industrial designer. At the end of that, at the end of my degree, I got a PhD in computing, which is a bit nerdy, if I'm honest. Um, but it's, you know, I enjoyed it and I've that very techy, very geeky, nerdy side to me. Um, I then became a business management consultant for many years, in fact, for about eight years. I was a business management consultant um, to various clients, then obviously a team leader and a manager and ultimately ultimately a, a photographer i think <laughs> i think this is the last career change uh, that said it came up the other day uh sarah said how, i was asking me how much i enjoyed in the diy in the studio when i said oh yeah it's absolutely love it uh, and if i ever have another career change it would be to go and do something like that um she brings that up now and makes the point that i am not allowed i'm not allowed um to have another career shift. I've had my midlife crisis. It's done. (laughs) This is it. This is the end game. So here I am, a photographer. But the tricks throughout those things are always about relating to the client. In each of them, there's something, there's there's a need to relate to the client. And I listen a lot. And I'm lucky. I have a lot of clients. And so I listen to all of them, which means that for the next client, the subsequent clients, I probably have another story or two to be able to tell things other people have told me or things that I've experienced. I try really hard never to use names and pass details forward, of course, but there's always stories. There's, there are always stories and I absolutely love it. So I listen an awful lot and I talk an awful lot. Now I know, I know I was listening to some program the other day and they said, oh, if you want to make a relationship, listen more than you talk. And of course that's true. You know, we all know that if you want to form good relationships, you need to listen more than you talk. But as a photographer, having the ability to chatter away is a useful one because you don't want your client talking necessarily while you're trying to take a picture. You want them to be, you want them to look like they're part of a conversation, but the actual action of talking is not particularly helpful. So I know, I know, I know I talk a lot and it just seems to work because I genuinely really love being around people and I think you have to you have to love people to do this job the social portrait job the job of taking photographs of your actual client not taking pictures of other people on behalf of a client the actual client is in front of you your camera you're being commissioned to take pictures that they're going to like and I think you have to relate to them and you have to be able to hold um, a conversation and I think This became apparent. So I'm going to take you back a little bit to my days when I was a business management consultant working in London. And at that time, I was a team leader. I hadn't yet made it up to manager, but I was a team leader. And I had in my team a trainee. And she never quite managed to grasp that trick, that trick of connecting effortlessly with the client, being able to have a conversation and relate to them and get them to relate 
to her. And bearing in mind our clients were nearly all slightly older and had worked their way because obviously when you have clients, when you're a business management consultant, you have clients, almost always those clients are more senior than you are because you're providing the team services into their company. So very often we'd be working into CEOs, COOs, CFOs, CTOs, always at that level. And so for our team to be able to find common language, she found this really tricky and I understood that she was young and she was having to or she was trying to find ways of actually being able to hold a conversation and the thing was she didn't yet have life's experience to make that easy I'm older you know I said to the event coordinator I'm double her age and so for me it's relatively straightforward um done a lot of things been to a lot of places worked in a lot variety of locations and I've had a lot of clients who I've been able to have stories with. So today, um, for instance, the things we related over were Land Rovers, the Land Rover Defender. My client today owned one. Uh, Labradors, they have a chocolate Labrador. And of course, I work all the time with dogs down at the Hearing Dogs. Uh, the Caribbean, uh, they used to go to the Caribbean a lot. They now don't. They now go to the Maldives. Uh, but I've worked in the Caribbean because I work with a cruise company. Uh, and, of course, uh, the final bit was that their wedding rings were made from the beautiful gold of the Clog Eye Mine in Wales. Coincidentally, so are mine and Sarah's, my wife's. Uh, and, and also the royal family, their gold in their um, wedding bands is made from clog eye gold or at least it certainly used to be I don't know if it still is and so we, all of these little things you pick up on it and you take those little things and you turn them into stories so for instance we were chatting for quite a long time about the Land Rover Defender now I know Land Rover Defender drivers tend to be that kind of oh let's talk about Land Rovers um, I'm not really like that not particularly um, but we were talking about it and it transpired for instance that they struggled with a really big turning circle on their car. Well, I happen to know that you can have that adjusted because I've had ours done twice. Um, and little things like that, tiny little nuggets, just going backwards and forwards. And we laughed and chatted about, you know, I don't know, dog hair and <laughs> crap like that. Um, but the point is that it's a useful skill to be able to develop. And so my trainee, my poor old trainee, in uh, when I worked in London, the best advice I could give her now, this doesn't, I don't know whether this worked or whether it's the right advice, but the best advice I could think of was, why don't you try reading a newspaper? Because she never, ever knew what was going on in the world. And so when a client would say something about socioeconomic stuff or uh, political issues, um, commercial issues, she really didn't have much of a clue what they were on about. And you have to have some kind of connection. You have to have some kind of common ground to have those conversations. So you do have to pay attention to what's going on in the world around you. Listen to the stories that others tell you. Listen to the news. Listen to commentary. Uh, now, if your market is teenagers, then it's fine. It's fine to be watching Love Island, for instance. Something I never do, but my clients are very rarely that age group. My clients are typically in their 30s and above, they are typically successful business people. And so my job is to make sure I've got stuff that I can hold a conversation about. And so I do, as it happens, I read the news, I watch the news, I make sure I've got stuff to talk about and I carry those stories uh, with me. So in the end, who knew that having such a varied past would help so much in doing something so simple as creating a photograph?
And on that happy note, I'm going to wrap this up because I have got an early start tomorrow and a long, long week ahead. And I hope I catch up with many of you there. And on that happy note, I'm going to say good night. And remember, be kind to yourself. Take care.